it's true. Stop bluffing. Right. They do absolutely nothing that is trusting. Kamala, for you to compare this to Pearl Harbor and 9-11 is disrespectful and fucking disgusting. Bitch. That's the most self-centered thing that I've ever seen. Compared to those events, it's not even worth remembering. No one that I know is even still paying attention to it. We'd all forget this shit in like a month if nobody mentioned it. Yep. And you know it too. Uh -huh. You're gonna melt this thing and squeeze it till it's bone dry and it won't drip any juice. While your stupid committee's wasting money convicting people from a year ago while CNN runs continuous loops. Yep. We would rather hear you address a million other issues. We don't wanna listen to you cry. Get a fucking tissue. So many things could be dealt with in a gif, but you would rather sit in front of us and smell your own shit. Okay, that was dope. Samson, fire. Right, Samson is fire again. How are you the underdog? Uh, so today we're going to be talking money. Uh, I uh, took screenshots of my uh, my um, crypto.com so that I can show you guys as well, so I can walk you through. Uh, considering that the Bitcoin conference is happening, I had a ticket and I couldn't go. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I have other things. I can watch them from a distance, but... While the Bitcoin conference is discussing freedom, decentralization, and all these things, there's a lot of people that are confused as to what it really means. They don't understand what it means to be blockchain, what gas means, what Bitcoin is, what the difference is, uh, you know, what they're using, uh, how they're using it. And it's because the people have been conditioned to get stock certificates, right? Uh, and we can't, uh, you know, see it. Now, I had one person, a listener who was like, Hey, I don't know how, you know, and I was like, Hey, you know, and I urge all of you, if you have a crypto.com account and someone else doesn't within your communities, share it. You each get $25. Why not use that? Hello. And, you know, to people that are close to me, I just hand out the stuff that I haven't staked. And I'm like, you know, when you become a kajillionaire, just pay me back. <laughs> right? That's what I say. I'll send you a few coins so that way you can stake it. But um, just because it's just grown and I'll show you, um, you know, my house fund. Like I've already envisioned in my eyes, you know, because I don't own a home in my name at all. So my goal as a person is to buy myself a home. I know what it looks like. I could tell you right now. It's a... Two bedroom has a den. It's like the two huge bedrooms flank the front door, big open space, and it spills out to the backyard where there's a saltwater pool that's covered so I don't get bugs or any other critters in there with a little bit of a fence yard so I can have nicks run around. Um, that's all I want. A small, you know, two bedroom house that has a pool so that I can, uh, and a fence, of course, because I'd like to roll out of bed and into the pool and not have to like put on a bathing suit and stuff. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, yeah, why not swim naked in the morning with coffee? Like, what better thing has to be heated to? Am I making too many <laughs> demands here? I mean, this is my dream home. So that's what, um, you know, what I've been saving up for. Now, in 2018, uh, I was on the Chan boards and there, I was having a discussion with some people and someone sent me a link to sign up with crypto.com. And so, you know, they said, you know, you should buy yourself some, some crypto.com coins, right? They're called Kronos, right? Which stands for time too. And I was like, that sounds cool. So I spent literally 
like, I think it was $25 and then another $75 when it was like nothing, right? When it was like nothing, 0.001 pennies, right? And I bought that and left it there. And I'm going to show you since 2018 how it's grown to be massive um, and how I'm constantly making money as well uh, because of it. So I'll show you that today. I'll show you what, I, what I've what i been doing and I'll show you my little fund because you have to remember that when you withdraw crypto, you have to pay 20% in tax. It's considered income. So you're going to have to pay it. So make sure you have enough to pay the tax man and buy whatever it is that you want. Um, I don't touch it um, at all. I have that. I have some loop ring as well, which I get this, guys. So I bought loop ring accidentally in the middle of the night. Um, <laughs> it was like 1, 3 a.m. I, I don't even remember when it was pennies. And I bought whatever amount it is. And now it's 2000. It was nothing. It was like chump change from my, I, I, I actually spent Kronos to buy it. That's how I buy other stocks from the Kronos that I make. I buy, well, coins, not stocks. I'm, I'm talking old school. So we'll talk about that. Um, just like how people made money from, you know, Doge, right? Um, and that was just to get people excited. And here's the trick. They get you to jump in without knowing what you're jumping into or what it is that you're jumping into. And then you lose your money because then you start watching these YouTube videos where people are like, oh my God, this is going to the moon and nah, 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 right? So the problem that we have now is that we're at a crossroad. But considering, considering that today there were some interesting conversations by Peter Thiel and interesting conversations by Jack Mallers, I'm thinking that they may actually push the resistance to program the coins. But before you can understand what I mean by that and how they wish to control it, where you only have, you know, house credits or food credits, um, I wanted to <laughs> to show you something. Let me see. You know, I think someone's in this account. I can't even, I don't even know who. But oh, um, I got these photos today that were super awesome. And here's the thing. Like, now it's gone. But these were like photos of Joe Biden. And Jill Biden, uh, that Valerie Jarrett commissioned, by the way, again, using her email, you know, the one that is not .gov, the one that she used and Joe Biden and Obama used when, you know, the, the whole Iran money thing was going on, you know, in the beginning of 2016. So it's like, whatever. So, yeah, I just thought I'd show you some of those. Um, maybe show you some of these. I didn't put them all on here yet. Oh, these are faces. Let's go photos. There's a ton of photos here, just random ones. Um, because I've been kind of creating collections so people can log in and just watch as they wish and see everything they want to see if they're curious. So I've been organizing it, trying to organize it. Um, there are some videos. Um, so I'm trying to organize it. It's going to get there at some point, right? It's going to get there. I just thought, you know, it'd be a nice treat just to show you. I, I, I have been trying to 
put it in a way where people can actually sift through and watch themselves, but without being crass, right? Um, trying to filter out the porn. Don't want to put that out there. Um, <clears throat> and, um, you know, kind of show people what's going on. So where do we start? I think before we even get into the crypto conference, um, I found some videos and I'll pause and explain because even though they're very explanatory, they're not like super explanatory. But the first one that tells you to understand blockchain, um, I'm going to play it for you. I'll pause throughout it just to elaborate and see if anybody has questions. There's a delay on my streaming um, device to rumble. So, um, I'll, uh, you know, there's a delay. So I have to see how. So let's get into money today. Let's talk blockchain. So this video says that it explains blockchain in seven minutes. It's an okay job. But, um, you know, when you understand, see, most of these people that explain these videos, I'm just going to be straightforward. It's like uh, people that know the concept so well that um, they talk about it like they're talking to people who have some knowledge. So I'm going to like super dumb this down um, with examples. I mean, they do they do an okay job, but um, what I'll do is, how's this? Since it's only about seven minutes, let's watch it together. And then I'll be keeping an eye out for the questions. How's that? And then I'll just give a short recap, um, you know, of uh, what he said. Let's go. I wonder if there's an easier way to complete transactions without having to deal with online wallets, banks, and third-party applications? Well, it's possible thanks to blockchain. Here's everything you need to know about blockchain. Imagine four friends, Jack, Ted, Sam, and Phil meet up for dinner. After they're done, Jack pays the bill, and all of them decide to split the expense amongst each other. Now, on the next day, when Phil sends his share to Jack via online money transfer, the transaction goes through without a hitch. Then, Ted and Sam send their respective shares to Jack, but their transactions don't go through. The failed transaction cites some issues at the bank. That's when Jack comes to know about the many ways a bank transaction could fail. It could be due to technical issues at the bank, one of their accounts were hacked, daily transfer limits being exceeded, and sometimes additional charges, like transfer charges associated with transferring money. To solve these problems, the concept of cryptocurrency came into existence. Cryptocurrencies are a form of digital or virtual currency that run on a technology known as blockchain. Thanks to blockchain, cryptocurrencies are immune to counterfeiting, don't require a central authority, and are protected by strong and complex encryption algorithms. And in a market of more than thousands of cryptocurrencies like Litecoin, Ethereum, Zcash, and so on, one reigns supreme, Bitcoin. Now, let's go back to our previous example and have Bill, Ted, and Sam send Jack two Bitcoins each as their contribution to the previous night's dinner. Let's assume Phil, Ted, and Sam have three Bitcoins in reserve, while Jack has five. First, Phil sends two Bitcoins to Jack. A record is created in the form of a block. The transaction details between them is permanently inscribed in this block. This record also holds the number of Bitcoins each of the friends own. So, after Phil's transaction, Jack has seven Bitcoins, while Phil has one. Following this, Sam and Ted send two Bitcoins to Jack. A new block is created for each of these transactions. 
These blocks hold the transaction details as well as how many Bitcoins Sam, Ted, and Jack have in reserve. These blocks are linked to each other, as each of them takes reference from the previous one for the number of Bitcoins each brand owns. This chain of records, or blocks, is called a ledger, and this ledger is shared among all the friends, which acts as a public distributed ledger. This forms the basis of blockchain. So, what happens when Phil has only one Bitcoin left, and he tries to send two more Bitcoins to Jack? The transaction will not go through. This is because all his friends have copies of the ledger, and it's clear that Phil has only one Bitcoin left. His friends will flag this transaction as invalid. A hacker will not be able to alter the data in the blockchain because each user has a copy of the ledger. The data within the blocks are encrypted by complex algorithms. All of this is made possible with the help of blockchain technology. Blockchain can be described as a collection of records linked with each other, strongly resistant to alteration, and protected using cryptography. Now, let's have a closer look at the Bitcoin transaction between Jack and Phil and find out how it works. Every user in the Bitcoin network has two keys, a public key and a private key. The public key is an address that everyone in the network knows of, like an email address of a user. The private key is a unique address that only the user has knowledge of, something like a password. First, Bill passes the number of bitcoins he wants to send to Jack, along with his and Jack's unique wallet address through a hashing algorithm. All of this is part of the transaction details. These details are encrypted using encryption algorithms and using Bill's unique private key. This is done to digitally sign the transaction and to indicate that the transactions came from Phil. This output is now transmitted across the world using Jack's public key. With this, the message or transaction can be decrypted only by Jack's private key, which only Jack has knowledge of. Different cryptocurrencies use different hashing algorithms. While Bitcoin uses the SHA-256 algorithm, Ethereum, which is also a famous cryptocurrency, uses one known as Ethash. This transaction and several other similar ones are taking place all around the world. These transactions are validated and then added block by block. The people who validate these blocks are called miners. For a block to be validated and added to a blockchain, miners need to solve a complex mathematical problem. The miner who solves this first adds the block to the blockchain and is rewarded with 12.5 bitcoins. The process of solving the complex mathematical problem is called proof of work, and the process of adding a block to the blockchain is called mining. With this, Phil and Jack's wallets are updated, just like every person in the network who has completed a transaction. Now that you know about blockchain and its important concepts, time for a small quiz. What is the concept of blockchain that ensures data cannot be altered by any of the users within the network? A. Public distributed ledger. B. Proof of work. C. Proof of stake. D. Hash encryption. Let us know what you think is the right answer in the comments below. Three lucky winners will get Amazon gift vouchers. Details mentioned, mentioned in the description below. Let's have a look at how... All right. I see from the comments that a lot of people were like, okay, I'm just like, I'm lost. All right, so here's the deal. Bitcoin is one type of currency, one platform. Ethereum's another. There's Loop, there's Solana. There's a ton of, ton of them. So what's the difference, right? 
the difference is the code. But the basic premise of this is, and I saw a lot of people saying, whoa, that was an expensive meal. Yeah, it was just figuratively speaking. But it's on the fact that it's very difficult for someone to hack the system because your wallet address is public. Now, usually people don't use the wallet address that they spend with, right? They put money in there to another one, to another one, and they keep anonymity. So nobody knows it's Phil's or John unless John's like, yo, this is my wallet address. And that's the only way they know and they can keep track of transactions and what happens. Now, sometimes in big apps like Coinbase, uh, Crypto, and other, uh, I think uh, Binance also has it. When you get money, it goes into a massive account where, you know, it sits there and then it comes to you, right? So sometimes it looks like you have like a shit ton, but you don't, right? Because it goes in. So it's like a trading wallet. Now, so you understand the reason they can't hack it is because if all of us right now, if everyone was giving me a dollar in Ethereum, all of you would acknowledge every other person's dollar and it's part of your ledger too. This is what I'm trying to explain. So it it's uh, for every transaction that happens, it's validated by the previous transaction. How's that? This is all coding. This is all algorithms. This is all computer-based. Now, what are these cryptocurrencies is the question. So I'm going to pull up a picture here. Give me a second. Let me find it. So I could show you what it looks like. Um, Let me see. Where is it? There it is. Okay. So this is one cryptocurrency called IOST, right? And this cryptocurrency, give me a second, over here is a cryptocurrency that powers the IOST blockchain. IOST is an ultra-fast decentralized blockchain network based on next-generation consensus algorithm proof of believability. So what does that mean? So let's go to their website, IOSTIO. Done. Let's go to the website. I pulled that up again so I can show you something. How to read these. Now, I don't know anything about this. I picked it at random because then I can walk you through what I understand because I'm not a crypto expert. But here is their website, right? IOST. And it tells you everything you need to know for investors. Let's see what they say. Uh, ultra-fast, scalable, secure blockchain network based on next-generation consensus, the proof of believability, uh, led by a team of seasoned experts backed by world-class investors. Our mission is to be the underlying architecture for online services that meet security, scalability, and needs of decentralized economy. Now, here's where they put you know, hey, we started in 2019. This is to ensure decentralization, how many nodes we have, how many countries, the partnerships. So they build a code and they're like, ours is better because, right? 
Uh, you should look at what we're doing. This is how we secure it. This is how we can expand it. Uh, this is how quick people can actually um, make exchanges on our system, for example. I told you about Stellar Lumens, remember? Um, how PayPal got into it. This is why it's um, pretty interesting. Here we go. So this was made, this blockchain was created to support digital representations of any currency, okay? Any currency. But it also has its own built-in token, the Lumen. So like I explained to you last year, um, PayPal, when you when I send you $10 through PayPal, uh, $10 comes out of my bank account. Uh, I'm banned from PayPal, but I'm just figuratively speaking, right? It converts into $10 of Lumen. And then that converts on the other end to whatever currency you get, Australian dollars, yen, ruble, whatever. So that's basically the job of this blockchain. <clears throat> it's based out of Ukraine, which is interesting. And there's a minimum per transaction fee of 0.00001 lumen. Now, if a lumen is very high, then that can cost you a lot of money. So each of these blockchains perform different jobs. They're there for different jobs. Does anybody, let me see, governance tokens. Mm, I'm trying to look at your questions because it's on a delay. Okay. So when you go to, don't, don't, don't get crypto.com yet. Make sure that someone in your state group doesn't have it because it's a free $25, you guys. Okay. You get free $25. Don't do that. <clears throat> if it's free, just get it. Um, both of you get get it. So why not? Right? That's an extra $25 of crow tokens you could get, which will give you about 50 tokens. Okay. And I'll show you how they grow. So um, so all of these blockchains do something, right? They're not just like, oh, look, I have a fancy coin, and it looks great. Those type of coins that don't have a purpose um, do exactly that. They're just there to turn and burn to people that don't understand. And, you know, that's how they screw people up. So let's go to Shiba. Let me go to the Shiba. Where's Shib? There it is, the Shib token. So this was a meme token that was created to challenge Doge, right? And this was created by two guys in New Jersey. Um, and if you know, what happened was they gave a good portion of their shares to the Ethereum guy. So what happened during COVID is that guy gave it away to India about a million, a billion, a billion dollars worth of ship. He just gave it to some charity. And that's where my ship took nosedive and everybody else's where it's like, damn, it was like super high and now it's super duper low. So I'm just saying like the, this is another ecosystem that came up, started as a meme, but it's actually pretty good. Um, they're going to be used at stores um, to have it. Um, they tell you how to walk through it, what to do. You can swap Ethereum for SHIB, Leash, or Bone. Um, I had a friend of mine that was really, really into it. I love the shit out of her, by the way. Even though I'm really angry at her lately, right? I, I love her. Um, she would keep me up in the loop of what they're doing because she would like sit and watch like what the developers were saying and what they were doing because that's what people do when they have a bunch in there. So the coins have to do something, 
right? They have to build a network. They're supposed to be either uh, just to do something that makes them secure and scalable, meaning that if you get a billion people on there, that it works. Okay. Now, let me, let me, let me see if I can show you on um, the crypto.com app what to look for, just so you um, understand. So, as you could see here, oops, I'm zooming in. Um, there's 18.59 billion IOSTs that are circulating. <clears throat> the total supply is 18.59 billion. And it says that the maximum supply they could have is 90 billion. And that's a little bit concerning considering that, you know, there's 70 billion out there, right? Apparently, or can be created or manifested. It tells you that today's price, hold on, what was today's price was three cents, right? But the highest it's been is 13 cents. So let's say you buy, you know, 10,000 of them at three cents, right? You know, the minute it goes to 13 cents, you've just made 100% of that, right? And so on and so on and so on. Now, let me see if I can find the crow token one. Hold on. Oh, you're not watching it. Sorry. Let me go over that again. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's like I'm jumping through a million screens. So as you can see, the IOST here, it tells you when it was created 2018. Um, it tells you the highest price it's ever hit, the return on investment for most people, and what it does. And, oh, that's the crypto. Dorn, hold on. Let me go back. Oh, that's that's actually my my loop my loop ring the the and the polygon. Okay, so let me show you what I've done. Ugh, I shouldn't jump to that. Let me just stay on topic before I get excited. So as you can see here on your crypto.com app, you're going to be able to see the market capital, which is six hundred and fifteen million dollars, and the volume of trade is about a third of that right? And it tells you how much it'll cost you in Bitcoin and how much it'll cost you in US dollars. Obviously, when you're in your app, depending if it's on the Ethereum blockchain, or if it has a contract with it, you might be able to buy it with Ethereum or Kronos, usually Kronos in the crypto app you can use. Um, that's what I use when I want to purchase things. I use Kronos tokens because that's basically what I have in there. Because I'm hoping that when I get all these tokens, right, <laughs> that if I invest them in things like I did in, in, in Matic and and um, loop ring, that, that can be my cushion for my house. Uh, there's no way anything I stake that I will touch it because that makes me a shit ton of money. Um, and I just keep restaking it um, and I put it into savings. As you could see, these are all the free money I get, Crow Tokens and Matic, because I'm with crypto, but I'll get into that later. So the one thing that you have to look at is here, the circulating supply, the maximum supply, and the total supply. Now, you see something like, oh, we're only circulating like 10 million, but the total supply is 10 billion. Run. Okay, because you might be in the same position that the people were with SHIB, right, where one guy had 40% and he sold it. And that tanked the price of it. And that's how they pull the plug on it. Um, uh, even speaking English. Okay. Let me, let me see. Um, so it's kind of like how people would buy stock certificates. Uh, you know, a company wants to raise money for their products like movie theaters. So AMC 
these like, hey, you can uh, buy um, shares in our company. This piece of paper says that you have one share and we're selling it to you for a dollar. And so if you buy it and we make a lot of movie theaters and more money, that dollar could be worth a hundred. Well, this is the same concept, only you're investing in the technology they're building. And the money you get is based on the value of the technology they're building. Does that make sense? My, let me, let me, let me wait for that to go through so I can see the questions. So you're basically investing in, well, it's not software. It's a blockchain. Um, it's security. It's, um, it's, um, building blocks. Everything will be on a blockchain. Remember Patrick Byrne when he was talking how sovereign um, is this new technology? I've actually tried to see. They don't have a token out yet or anything like that. And what you can do is you can put all your information on a blockchain, which means that it's validated by all the people around you that you are who you say you are. Your job is that because it's an open ledger. Like everyone can see it, but they're not allowed to access it unless you give them permission. The same thing with money, except for it's a public ledger and everyone sees it. Here's where the problem lies in what the governments want to do. What they want to do is program to have um, tokens for dollars or pounds or whatever universal currency they fancy doing um, to be tagged, meaning that you won't be able to spend that in a store because it's tagged for housing costs. And you won't be able to spend that for clothes because it's tagged for food. They want to make sure that the coins are tagged. They want to program the coins. That's the problem. And why they want to do this is because they want to sequester power. Since it's an open ledger, everyone knows what everybody has. And it's dangerous. So here's where we're at that crossroad. Do we utilize technology like we should to our advantage and maintain a decentralized system, bring up documents into the blockchain, which they never die, because it means like that that document has been split into a million pieces and everybody has a little piece. So they can't hack it. They can't delete it. Right. And it would also help us track where all our tax dollars are going. Like if we're paying taxes, we can see where they're sending it because it's an open, transparent ledger. But what they want is to be able to have a cloak over a U.S. dollar coin or a New York token or a Florida token to be able to conceal where it goes after that because they want to program it. That's what they want to do. They want to centralize it and people want to decentralize it. So going into that, I want to, I want to swap over to what I was talking about, loop ring. Because the loop ring video, even though the guy's just selling it and probably got paid, I don't know. I'm just saying that it might not be true, uh, but that's the feeling I got. Um, I actually accidentally bought this stock, this, this, this coin, right? I bought it half asleep. Like I was just looking around and say, how do you do that? Don't ask. Okay. It was like in the wee hours of the morning. I, I don't know how I did it, but I bought a lot of it. And then suddenly it went up to 5,000. Now it's down back to 2000, but I didn't even pay. I, I Maybe it was 
two digits, like maybe a hundred dollars and it's gone up. So I bought it a while back in the middle of my sleep while I was reading up on it. Um, I don't know how I did it. And I didn't know I bought it until 15 days later when I checked my crow tokens to see where I'm at. Is there anything that I want to jump into? Do I want to buy some more, um, you know, cheaper coins? Can I add more SHIB? You know, because I sell my crow tokens to buy more other tokens, right? Because I make them. Um, and, uh, I, or sell them because I have to like pay legal fees, right? Cause uh, you know, stuff like that. But anyway, so uh, when I was on there, I, 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 I opened up my app and I saw that I had an extra $5,000. I'm like, well, did someone send me some crypto? Like what happened? And it's like, no, there's just loop ring. I was like, what the hell is that? When did I buy that? And I was looking at the transaction and it said that in like the wee hours of the morning, I had purchased like so many shares and I was like, okay, that's weird. All right. Fair enough. I should do that more often and put some really good, <laughs> pick some really good stock uh, coins. So anyway, this guy's going to explain to you what Loopring does. So that way that can actually dovetail what I've been saying, that you're investing in what they're creating. What is Loopring? Loopring or LRC is a decentralized exchange protocol based on the Ethereum blockchain. Its purpose is to allow individuals to trade broadly across various exchanges, meaning it can offer greater liquidity to anyone interested in exploring the cryptocurrency market at large. It was created as a response to centralized exchanges that were lacking in financial transparency and reliable security. To make an online trade, users place an order through the loopring.io wallet. The submitted orders are forwarded to the Loopring network and relayed to the smart contracts and off-chain relay nodes. Ring miners are the users who ensure that orders can be filled. They're compensated for helping organize the ring of orders with either a fee in the form of LRC or from a split margin of an order's final purchasing amount. The purpose of the order ring is to ease the ring matching process of stringing orders together and fulfilling them. This is done through careful management of the ring matching process that can involve more than two parties, a feature that distinguishes Loopring from other exchanges. Rather, an order can't be fulfilled within a single trade. Order sharing makes it possible to divide up the orders so that they can be partially delivered over time. Any orders that require being broken down to partial orders only have to be assigned to the next order ring to complete. Ultimately, Loopring allows anyone to build high throughput, non-custodial order book-based exchanges on Ethereum. Digital assets like this one are supported by BlockCard, and you can use them to fund your BlockCard account. So basically, Loopring was created in order to bring, like, for example, I... Um I did something really stupid. So I wanted to see and purchase property on that um, virtual earth thing. God, I lost like $300. I was pissed. $300 is a lot for me. Okay, you guys, I, you know, for some people it's nothing, but for me, it's like, you know, a big portion of my rent. So I was extremely upset because I can only use, I could only use the Binance coin. So I had to get a Binance wallet and that's Chinese stuff. Right. And then, 
what happened was I tried to trade it in there and then I got like three wallets. And every time I was putting it, I had to put some Ethereum so that I can actually convert it and do it like this. In the end, I ended up with 20 bucks and all I did was move shit around and didn't get anywhere. So I was like super tired of it. Whereas Loopring was going to bring in the fact that I can sit on my Ethereum network or Bitcoin network or whatever network I want, Solana, whatever it is. And then I would be able to simply put the trade in uh, on the Loopring network and they would be able on the other end to give me, um, you know, Binance without causing me all that headache and transferring because it's like, it's like a different floor. Picture it like a building. So every platform has its own building. Like Bitcoin has, um, Ethereum, for example, has gas fees. And I have a really good video that explains that, um, what that is, how they reimburse people that mine the currency. Because basically when you put in an order, it goes in a bucket. And then if it's a really busy period, they're going to cost you more money to convert your Ethereum into a dollar, into SHIB, into whatever you want to turn it into. So... Um, gas fees are on the Ethereum net- network. I have a really good video for that um, that will explain it. But I think, um, is it this one? Let me see. Okay. This guy has a heavy accent, but he's really, really good. So I'm going to put him on. It's a blockchain tutorial for beginners. I'm going to start it at the point where it's necessary, where it's actually dumbed down to the point where you totally get it. Um, let me just... Okay, here we go. ...in the market. And then in the end, we will, we will do a quick demo on how to create a smart contract and deploy it for a particular use case. Now, before a block can be mined, a miner has to make a very important decision. Which transactions would be added to his block? So before transactions are added to the blockchain, they are collected in a temporary container called a memory pool. The miners select transactions from this pool and they put it in a temporary block called candidate block. So basically the candidate block is a temporary block which a miner hopes to add to a blockchain. It's a candidate to be added to a blockchain. So the candidate block holds transactions that the miner selects from the memory pool. The miner then tries to be the first person to find the nonce value that satisfy the hash requirements. Now the question comes, All right. That was Chinese for a lot of people. So uh, what the miner does is he takes out, okay, so I want to send you Loopring, right? And I have your wallet address and I put it in and I'm sending you one Loopring. Well, what happens is it goes into this temporary pool where there's a bunch of nerds that get paid pennies on each transaction. So they're constantly doing this, right? Where they pull from the most expensive to the cheapest. So they take that order that I say, Hey, I'm giving, you know, uh, you know, Sally, um, a dollar of loop ring. So it's sitting in that temporary holding pattern. And then, you know, Joe picks it up and he's like, all right, I'm going to confirm it. So Joe picks it up and says, let me check Tori's contract. Yep. She did have that one loop ring. And if it goes to Sally, she'll be minus a loop ring. So her balance will be now five instead of six. And then Sally, let me check her wallet. Does she have a wallet that accepts loopering? If she doesn't, then maybe Tori can't send it to her so she could lose that money, right? Or it goes back or something. Um, if, if they see that Sally does have a wallet, they validate. How much does Sally have in her wallet? Oh, Sally has 
zero loop ring. That's fine. Cause right now Sally's going to have one. So they update everybody else's contracts at the same time by putting in my one loop ring into Sally's. So then it goes down the whole chain. Now everybody knows that Sally's wallet has one. And this way there's try people keep track of the coins in general that are in circulation, meaning they're being circulated. Um, I know a lot of you, um, when I mentioned, Hey, an account with a shit ton of Bitcoin woke up just a week ago. A lot of people didn't understand what that meant. That meant that, you know, that Bitcoin had been out of circulation. It wasn't moving. It was dormant. And the minute this big fat wallet wakes up and they're like, whoa, we just got 20,000 Bitcoins out of nowhere. You know, the whole ledger woke up and said, okay, those are in circulation again. Does that make sense? So now um, everybody's blockchain has been updated that there's an additional 20,000 Bitcoins in there. I'm hoping that I understand. I, I am explaining that. I'm looking. I say, nope. Okay. Federal 25 million seized. Yeah. So someone just said, yeah, it's really hard because a lot of other miners have to confirm each new coin. So it's really hard to cheat. Now, the thing is right now, people are comparing the blockchain to um, paper money. It's it's not the same thing. It's It's in that conversion phase, just like the drachma was to the euro when it flipped over. It's this conversion phase. So in, during this conversion phase is what we are battling because there is a U.S. dollar coin. I think I have like 20 U.S. dollar coins, right, which is stable. One coin is equal to one dollar, right? But what the government wants to do is nominate the value of the coins that people will be using. And they could, if successful, make it difficult for people to use other coins as money, meaning you won't be able to buy and sell with those coins. See, Elon Musk was accepting Bitcoin and he was going to accept Ethereum and then he stopped accepting it. And then he was going to accept SHIB, but then he didn't, right? Because this is money. It is actual money because you've invested in that software company, just so you understand. And the miners out there are pretty much the accountants that keep everything safe. And don't don't worry, you can't get dirty accountants like Enron because all the other accountants check those accountants. So you can't like update somebody's wallet without updating the whole public ledger. So I'm trying to explain how safe it is, but also how dangerous it is. Um it's 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 extremely dangerous if they sequester and centralize it. And uh, that is the concern that I have. But anyway, let's continue this video. It's, it's a pretty good video. Here we go. If someone in a blockchain wanted to input the wrong data by spreading wrong information around, would he or she be able to get away with it? And that's why we had something known as Byzantine fault tolerance. So in order to maintain the sanity of the network and to have the correct consensus, there was something called as Byzantine fault tolerance consensus algorithm. To understand this, you need to know what the Byzantine general's problem is. So let's imagine a Byzantine general and three other lieutenants need to take over this town. However, they are at different places and can't directly communicate with each other. So here we have the general and his three lieutenants. The general has to ensure that all lieutenants follow the same order he or she gives them to attack or to retreat. 
Now, this has to be ensured even if one of the lieutenants is a traitor. So this is the Byzantine general's problem that how does the general communicate the correct decision which he has taken to all his lieutenants in his network irrespective if someone is a traitor. In this case, a traitor could ruin the unity of the group by sending different messages to different lieutenants. Now here we can see that general is giving all his lieutenants the command to attack. The traitor could ruin this by sending every other lieutenant the command to retreat the opposite. Now in this situation, the traitor would make others believe that the general asked them to retreat. So as we can see, the lieutenant in brown is the traitor and he could communicate to other lieutenants the wrong information and make them act on his behalf as a traitor in themselves. Now this would cause the lieutenants to retreat and the general's attack to fail. So how do we tackle this? The only way an attack or a retreat will be successful is by having a majority supporting that particular action. To achieve this, the lieutenants keep a tally of the orders they receive. So in this scenario, the general sends the attack order to each of his lieutenants. The lieutenants in turn collect the order they receive and pass it on to the lieutenant near to them. So each lieutenant will pass this order to the nearest lieutenant. The traitor also will do the same, but sends the retreat order to the other lieutenants. However, this will not be successful because each lieutenant now has a majority of attack and minority of retreat. So this shows that the majority of the lieutenants would follow the general's command and the attack will be successful. The scenario I mentioned before is Byzantine fault tolerance. Now, the same situation can be encountered in blockchain as well. So let me stop it right there. So that was a very good example. I hope you guys understood that, that um, these miners, if there's a trader in there and he wants to like hack a wallet or something, the problem is you sent out that message to all of them. So all of them have received Tori's message of, hey, I'm sending a dollar of loopring. I'm just making this up. Okay, this isn't the way it works, but I'm trying to simple simplify it. I'm sending a dollar of loop ring to Sally. And so as I, as I say it, the miner closest to me will say it to the miners closest to them and it'll spread. But somewhere in that pool, there's a bad miner. And then he spreads the message that it's wrong. But already all the miners that were around me now have two orders of Sally gets a dollar loop ring, whereas the bad miner said empty Tory's wallet and put it here. And it's only one. So they can't conspire because the first order is where the first one comes. So there's always a majority. That's how it works. And that's not something we have in our financial system. Okay. We don't have that. See, in this case, uh, there wouldn't be any underwriters, right? To make that exchange, there would be no Federal Reserve. They wouldn't tell you there's not enough money. It would always be there. So you would always have um, uh, the majority win. And that's how it would come out. Unless they can duplicate your order, which they can't at the point of origination. Because everybody else knows that there's only one Tory wallet. So I hope um, that was clear. So let's continue. It's, it's an actual really good tutorial the traitor would add invalid transactions into the blockchain the traitor would send the inconsistent information to other nodes in a blockchain this would affect the reliability of blockchain network blockchain are able to achieve byzantine fault tolerance with the help of proof of work 
let's see how it is effective it is effective because the process of adding a block to a blockchain is a work intensive process which involves a hashing algorithm the process is very hard very computative because it is heavily reliant on value obtained from the existing blockchain to have any meaningful impact the hacker would have to take a lot of time resources producing sufficient proof of work interesting imagine if you and i were miners and we both add a block to the blockchain at the same time how do we handle such a situation so although this does not happen very often there is a way to decide whose block should be added to the blockchain in an ideal scenario you just need to be the first one to find the hash value you need to be the first miner to generate that hash value and win the block so adding two blocks at the same time the hash value of the block only needs to be within the predetermined limit if the generated hash value is less than the target then the value is accepted and the block is added to the blockchain but if it is greater than the target then the value is denied and the block is not added to the blockchain but in this case if two people have obtained a satisfactory hash value at the same time so miner 1 and miner 2 were able to find the hash which was less than the target then what will happen whether miners 1 block will get added to the blockchain or miners 2 block will get added to the blockchain now 50% of the network has accepted miners 1 block and suppose rest has accepted miners 2 block so half of the network continues to work considering miners 1 block to be the right block and the other half network continues to work considering miners 2 block to be the right block however only one miners blockchain can be allowed to remain we cannot have two blockchains running it will defeat the purpose now this is achieved by selecting the subchain to which miners have first added a block so suppose miner 3 adds a new block to miners 1 blockchain this block now added by miner 3 is verified by everyone in the network it is then accepted as the dominant blockchain and is used by everyone else in the network the other version of the blockchain the miner 2 is completely discarded and the entire network now accepts miner 1's blockchain and we have now a single blockchain existing now this situation is also called an accidental fork so i heard about a version of bitcoin called bitcoin cash what's the difference between them there are other kinds too like bitcoin gold and bitcoin private these are all outcomes of a fork So what is a fork? A fork is said to have taken place when a blockchain diverges into two potential paths. A fork happens when the users of a network cannot come to an agreement with regards to a network's transaction details and the new rules to validate those transactions. So there are two types of forks which can exist. Either it can be a soft fork or it can be a hard fork. A soft fork occurs when a change in the soft <laughs> protocol makes new blocks added to the blockchain following the new rules but are backward compatible but in order to have a soft fork it requires a majority of the users to commit to that change to be successful so a soft fork could have multiple uses it could be for tighter rules it could be for cosmetic changes addition of new functions but not affecting the structure consider the scenario where the accepted block size is to be reduced from 1 mb to 100 kb so first of all it has to be approved by a majority of the network 
Now the old version will be running on 1 MB block size, but once approved, the new version will start working on a block size of 100 KB. So anything which is less than 100 KB will be approved and will be added to the new block. So over time, people following the older version of the blockchain would be forced to move to the new one since none of their transactions would go through so basically people using the old blockchain they will be using the 1 mb block size their transactions will not succeed and they will be forced to use the 100 kb block so as you understand they're talking about data data compression and the way he kept saying fuck fuck yeah it's a soft fuck and a hard fuck right <laughs> i'm just saying so basically like i said this is all data it's a data blockchain it's a list of data sets that confirm the new data sets uh odyssey for example you can never delete a video that's uploaded in library ever because it's on the blockchain so it will forever exist on that blockchain so even if a soft fuck happens right it'll be smaller in size of data but it will still be there so a hard fuck <laughs> is a little bit more different. Uh, so this is, I, I know a lot of people want to talk politics, but you're going to find this in front of you. So I'm trying to get you primed so you can watch videos that are teaching you how to do it. Now, even if you try to um, hack these systems or uh, sometimes they change contracts, right? Um, it's very difficult, okay? Um, so the data set, I want you to think of the, they, they say it, it's a blockchain because it's data from yesterday that's confirmed that yesterday's data is correct and I'm adding today's data. And then tomorrow, I'm going to confirm tomorrow's data with today's data that's confirmed by yesterday's data and the day before yesterday and the day they, and from the day it started. How's that? So I'm trying to, to put this as low, low as possible. Now, um, I want to jump, I want to jump to show you guys, um, hold on, where is it? How I can get this done. Let's see, where is it? Okay, so, let's see, these are the cards, these are the rewards, okay, and this is uh, the balance. Okay, hold on. I want to show you how it works. So kind of like stockbrokers, I want to show you the screen. Hold on. Let me get the screen on. Oh, it didn't share. That was weird. Here we go. So boom. So kind of like stocks, right? You see the ups and downs of the price. Here you would be able to find like in crypto, their first page has the biggest gainers, right? So you can see all of these software, blockchains, whatever you want to call them, companies that are creating something have that. As you can see, this is PAX Gold. This aligns with the price of actual gold, but it's virtual. Um, so when you start trading, you will be seeing something like this, right? Now I'm going to show you um, how it looks on my page. So it shows me Bitcoin is down, Ethereum's down, Shiba's down, Kronos is down. I mean, I got Kronos when it was 0 0.001. Like it was nothing, right? I think it was three zeros and then a one, whatever. Uh, but it was nothing. So 
I'm going to show you. Okay, this is the stake amounts. Hold on. I'm going to show you mine. So I want to show you something. Over months, look at this. This is what I've been earning. So this is 0.9, uh, 7, 0.8, just every, almost, uh, it's every week, every day, depending on what's giving me what. Look at that. So it's building up my portfolio. Look how big it was. It's 45,000 uh, that sits there. And then the other stuff I just give away or buy other stocks and reinvest. But you'll see it here. My crow balance, it says, is 54,000. But as you could see, I stake it. I can't touch these for 180 days. It's actually 32 days on, on this, 32 days left, which then I restake. And it says that I'm enjoying 12% per annum in crow stake rewards, and it's credited to my wallet every seven days, hence why I get all this money. All of this is what I've made over 180 days. This is how fast it grows. And the more money you have, the more it grows, obviously. Um, I'm hoping that people understand it. Do you guys get it? You're at 0.006 for Crow. Great. I was in there when it was like 0.01 or even less than that, I think, because I only bought $100 and this is what I've done in since 2018. So I get 12%. This is why I don't use this money. I will never take that money out. I won't do it. And I'll show you why. Um, I'll show you why. One, I don't want to pay the taxes. And two, this, like I sent someone today a thousand crow coins because uh, they're starting up their crypto. Uh, and that's because I, and that's like, because they're going to be doing exactly this. I'm like, just save it and keep it in there. It's not going anywhere. But here's how, this is my house savings account, right? Mission rewards. This is, I think when I bought um, Ravencoin. Anyway, um, Let's see. So this is the top level card you can get. So when you stake your coins with the crypto.com app, you can get, um, see, it tells me if you want to upgrade. This is the top, top one. So you get all of these things in here. You get 12% stake rewards. You get the best rate for crypto earn and credit. I don't know how that works. You get, if you're paying Netflix or Prime or Spotify with um, your crypto.com card, they will pay you back the amount that you pay in Crow tokens. Um, and if you buy tickets with Expedia or you rent with the Airbnb, they'll also um, give you 10% in tokens. Um, let's see. This, um, where's the other stuff? Hold on. Okay. This is the one that... Um, that I have where I've staked mine. And my goal is to go to that one. So that way I can make even more money. Still 12. This is like the ice card. Um, you get bonus interest, you get private access. They also have like a thing, like if you die, they will contact your next it's kin for you to give them whatever. I mean, I'm supposedly a whale with only that much money in my account and which is all crow basically. So this is where you kind of just put it in there and just leave it there just leave it there. You stake it in them. So what you're doing is you're giving um, your crow tokens to crypto.com as circulation and they're giving it out, if that makes sense. And they're paying you interest because they're lending it out. It's almost like stocks. It's almost like stocks, but they want you to keep it in there for at least 180 days. Let me tell you something. You can be broke and, and you know what happened to me? I was so bad when I had to pay some fees for a court that I needed that money and I couldn't, right? I couldn't, you can't. 
If you put it in there for 180 days, you better kiss it goodbye. It's gone. And that's a good thing because you can't touch it. So the minute mine expires, it goes straight back in there. So basically, you're just lending them your coins to expand more. And they're paying you for that. And they're giving you all these benefits. Like I go to the airport lounges that um, you know people pay premium price to um, go to uh, because I am a crypto ICE member. Right. And this is how um, they entice you. Now, this is how they start. This is 4,000. You still get 10% stake reward. So as you stake it for the 180 days, they pay you uh, 10%. Um, and then the first one is that if you have Spotify, you get the money back 100% if you're using their card, if you stake 400. Now, again, like I said, um, you could see from mine, I get extra because I'm ICE, so I get an extra 2% on top. So these are all the rewards they give me. Uh, you know, look, on January 13th, they gave me all of this. On January 12th, they gave me all of this. It's just extra, 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 extra. They're just giving it to me because I usually just put it in there all the time. I, all my crow tokens, like you see that I have 54, right? The 19 that is left over the 19,000 tokens that I have are also stakes. So these are different stakes of just crow rewards. I'm hoping to build up to the point where I can drop the whole 400 and then actually buy my house, um, you know, after a year or so of uh, investing it. So this is how I go through my, this is my savings, right? I'm not shy to show it. I mean, this is, this is all I have. I mean, that's not much for someone that's 44. And, you know, I started with zero. Well, I had $100 in Crow tokens, but I had literally $2 in my pocket three years ago. And I've just been very patient and just leaving it in there. Um, I upgraded to, to the, um, to the ice card when the price of the crow token went up because it was constantly, I think it was at like 10, 15 cents and suddenly it went up and that was it. So look over 180 days, I've made about $8,000 just keeping it in there. So it's a good investment and it's the new stock market. It's not something scary. Um, it is exactly, um, what the stock market is. If you're buying shares in companies, uh, this is it. This is the new stock market. And yeah, what if the grid goes down? We're all fucked if nothing's saved. If if the blockchains aren't backed up into something like, um, you know, a Faraday EMP secure type, you know, environment, we're, we're out, right? You have no money. And on the other hand, something may go wrong where they, um, delete you. You know, that can happen. It's very difficult though on the blockchain. Speaking of, let's go to that because the, the, the nefarious part of investing in cryptocurrency and this, you know, my mom told me this too. She was like, Arne, why don't you just get a mortgage? And it's like, dude, why? You know, land is going to be really cheap later. I know what I want my house to look like. I mean, yeah, that's a good sizable deposit. I mean, minus 20% that I'll give the tax man to pull it out. Um, but I, I, you know, there's so much instability. I just risk it there. I mean, it was a hundred dollars guys and it grew and I've been patient and I haven't touched it. And you know, there's been times where I want to touch it, but I don't because I, I want to buy a home and leave it for my kids. I think every parent wants to do that at some point. Right. But anyway, 
Um, I wanted to um, show you what I was talking about with Stellar Lumen of, uh, about um, a year ago. Uh, Peter Thiel um, did his keynote today, uh, which was interesting. Um, and what was fascinating was how he talked about how they do it. And I think you'll understand because I know a lot of people are like, I don't understand that. You know, I like hardcore cash. Here's the thing, you guys, what we have to do is make sure that there is a solid digital currency for the United States that's backed by something tangible that can't be reprogrammed. You remember how they said soft fuck, hard fuck, hard fuck, right? Is when they decide to drop the value is that when they decide to change the contract and you're excluded because you're a lesser citizen, that's the, the idea, right? Of what a hard fuck is. It just means major change. Okay. But this is where we need to make sure that commodities, tangible commodities can back at least the digital currency since they're phasing out dollars. We noticed that from over two and a half years ago when you get these stupid signs, there's a coin shortage. So if you don't have exact cash, you better give us card. Right. You remember that? And so they've started to do it. And so, um, alas, freedom. Yeah. You just want to buy a home rebuilding your rebuilding from 2008. See, this is how you do it. You're just patient and you just, you know, I didn't have two pennies to rub together like at all, but I had that sitting there and I was like, I'm not going to touch it. All you could do. And you know, what's great. It locks it in for 180 days. So when your crisis happens, you can't fucking touch it. Okay. So you've got to be diligent just like I am because the minute it comes up in 32 days, I'm totally rolling it right back over and locking it in just so you know. So I hope all of you um, can take from there. I know it's kind of late getting in at 44 cents, but it's still just 44 cents to, you know, um, you're still getting double your dollar because it actually went up high enough. Oh, wait, hold on. Does it have it there? Uh, I don't think I have it. Do I? Let me, let me see something. Give me a second before I play Thiel's video. Um, I think. Um, shoot. Shoot. Are you kidding? Shoot. Oh, wait. Before I get to Peter Thiel's thing, give me a second. I want to show you something. I have some Matic, right, that I bought with Crow Tokens, by the way. I'm going to show you how this works. And this is how I, 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 I build it. So once... That goes up high enough. I'll just put it back into, uh, I'll sell it for Kronos. But wait, hold on. Where is it? There it is. I want to show you this. So I bought this and I invested it. They're giving me 12% um, every two weeks, right? In Matic and 2% in Crow, right? Into my account constantly. So over this three month period, well, it's not three months, over a month, I've made 20 Maddox and 12.2 Crow. Do you see how that works? Um, so I'm giving back Polygon for them to be able to distribute. And they're paying me 12% every two weeks. And that builds my portfolio. So in three months time, I'm going to roll over that Polygon with all the 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 money that I've earned from it. So, so far I've earned 20. So it's going to add to the 2059. So 
if it's 20 this month, I guess it's going to be what a total of 60. So in 59 days, I'm going to reinvest that in their savings thing and have, you know, um, two, uh, 2000, 2000 and, um, 100 and, you know, whatever Maddox's in there. And then the crow tokens are already in my crow balance. You see? So, yeah, Kronos got up to 96 cents. That's pretty wicked, right? And hence <laughs> how it goes. So it's all, it's all money, but it's new money. Money that doesn't have paper, money that is open ledger, which is a benefit for us because then we can see where our tax dollars go because we can see which wallet it goes to and how it's done. Um, but it's also a problem because they will come in and they will be able to program the cryptocurrency. That's what they're wanting to do. So let me get to Peter Thiel's thing. I just wanted to show you how, you know, my, I I don't remember how many crow tokens, but I didn't buy 3000 of them. Um, I bought this, oh, I want to say, I bought 2000 a long time ago with crow tokens. It was before I went ice when I was still on the green card. I'm trying to remember. It was before um, the crow tokens went up. But anyway, I bought this, which is on the Polygon chain, right? Matic. And um, Polygon, which is on (laughs) the Matic chain, sorry. And what I did was I invested in that because, what is it? Um, Qualcomm actually is building that. And they're using it to secure and classify documents and information. So it's a totally different um technology. So right now you have the opportunity to be the people that invested in, you know, Bell Atlantic or, you know, um, airplanes. This is it because in the future, everything's on a blockchain. So this would be, um, how you do it. Now, just so you guys know, I use Coinbase, um, you know, to trade bullshit, whatever, or sell stuff um, because it's easier. Um, The only reason I have crypto is because I can put it in their savings thing. I know Coinbase offers that too, but I don't trust the way they operate because their system is really weird. So, and on top of that, Coinbase may be kind of like, everyone's like Coinbase, Coinbase, but crypto.com has like, they host the conferences, okay? They have all the whales on that, okay? And they give a lot of benefits to their holders. So for me, if you've got all these big ass corporations behind you that have dumped their money in it, I and you have your own coin, I would say it's better. This is this is how I see it. It's like saying, you know, this company that's trading stocks, like um, picture it like JP Morgan and Lehman Brothers. I see Coinbase like the Lehman Brothers, right? When they were, no, because they were always kind of niche Let's go with Bear Stearns. Yeah. Coinbase is like Bear Stearns and Crypto.com is like JP Morgan, right? <laughs> Coinbase is the IRS. That's a good one. <laughs> but that's how I compare them. They're like banks. But Coinbase is building out their um, technology to do more. And this is why you're investing in their company with the Kronos tokens, right? Whereas Coinbase doesn't have its own token because they're not building out. They're just an empty shell like Bear Stearns, Enron, 
just an empty shell of doing trades. Whereas crypto.com, you're investing in their technology and what they're doing. So it's, um, they're giving a lot of benefits to new people. I mean, now I noticed, um, the seller lumen that I had, um, it actually expired yesterday. I didn't, I didn't notice it. Um, and I was looking to take screenshots last night. Um, and that's when I took these and I saw that it, it had done out and they said now that they had, um, cut in half anyone that's hedged more than $30,000. They're not like, for example, when this polygon expires in three months, because I have staked crow tokens that are over $30,000, I don't get 12%. I only get 6%. So up to $30,000, they will give you even more of a percentage to grow your portfolio. So, um, that's um that's something I wanted to tell you because they just changed it. So I guess I'm still going to get pretty good returns, but I'm going to get half. So if I'm getting 60 every 90 days, I'm only going to get about, you know, you know, 45, but I'm still getting 45. Like, where do you get interest rates like this? It's crazy, right? Super crazy. Um, so yeah, it's funny money, but don't listen to people about Nasara Jasara. I mean, I don't know how they're coming up with this stuff because this is the real war that's happening right now. Um, with new technology coming in, the real war is how do they control this decentralized currencies that are popping up? You know, uh, kind of like what I was thinking of doing myself was to build a technology that's separate. For communications, it's really hard because what you want to do is make sure that it's not hackable and um, that it will be able to, like Loopring, uh, interact with all platforms. So it's actually quite difficult. Um, been working on that for a while um, to create uh, a better form of, instead of just sticking with the majority, um, to give it the odd one out. Well, I'll talk about that another time. It's not time now. For now, we're just getting our feet wet to understand that this, that this is the new economy. Now, look who's going to make an appearance here. Physical dollars to electronic dollars. Uh, I think the basic technology is going to take place on the Internet. I think the specific platform in the emerging world um, is going to be on a cell phone platform. If you uh, look at the numbers, there are about 360 million, um, about 150 million online desktop-based accounts today. That number is projected to grow to about 300, 350 million in the next five years. However, with respect to cell phones, internet-enabled cell phones, they're just getting rolled out right now. They already have some significant penetration in Japan, in uh, Finland, in Sweden. They're getting rolled out in Western Europe, U.S. next year. Uh, the numbers are projected to grow from about 10 million internet-enabled cell phones today to about 1 billion in five years. In five years from now, Everybody who is a member of the middle class in the emerging world and in the developed world will have an internet-enabled cell phone. And this sort of a cell in, in China, the numbers project to be going, go to something like 300 million cell phones, most of which will be internet-enabled. These people will have access to um, their bank accounts, and it will be very easy for them to move money into an account in a safe jurisdiction, where, um, where the banks are not politically controlled um, and they will basically be able to completely dollarize the economy. There will be no need to have any rubles or a NIMBY and it will be non-traceable no matter how 
illegal the Chinese communist government says it is to hold U.S. dollars, you will have a password on your cell phone. And the only way to stop this process would be literally to shut down the telecommunications network. And that's the kind of choice governments like China, India, some of these other countries are going to face. They will either have to shut down the telecommunications network and make it illegal for you to own a cell phone, or they will have to basically uh, give up the kind of monetary sovereignty they've had and the enormous power that uh, they've been able to wield as a result of this kind of sovereignty over the last uh, many, many years. So that was Peter talking about PayPal. PayPal was a form of digital currency before making coins, and they created their technology in order to create it, right? to create the platform of PayPal. And if you remember back in the day, sending people money with PayPal was a little bit iffy. There were a lot of scams. They weren't recognized as a bank, right? They needed to go through clearinghouses. All this stuff was going on. And now they're dealing with stellar lumens and everything is in um, crypto, right? That's what it is. And blockchain is just a newer algorithm. It means a self-checking algorithm. It's like the math checks itself, if that helps. Uh, like I said, today's news would be checked by yesterday's news, right? The past would be proving the future. You get it? That's how it happens. Again, I want you guys to just listen to what he has to say because this is what the real issue is with not just America, but the rest of the world when it comes to the monetary system. Because I did mention they did have the synthetic homogenous currency, SHC conference. I think it was in 2019 in February, Montana, or was it 2018? No, 2019. And so that was a big deal and nobody reported on it. Thank, thank you so much for having me here. It's, uh, you know, there's so much I was wrong about in 1999, but I thought I'd reflect on some of the things I was thinking at the time, give some perspective on what it means for, for the world today of 2022. And when I was running PayPal, when I was getting it started, the standard way I'd start an investor pitch, would I'd hold up several hundred dollar bills and would always get people's attention. It's kind of hypnotic, you know, even though, you know, it's really weird. What is, what is this? I mean, it's, it's probably not very good as toilet paper. It's not good as wallpaper. It's, um, it's sort of this crappy fiat money. It's a very mysterious thing. What is money? Is it a network effect? You know, um, you know would, would, would the gentleman in the front row like to have the money? Does somebody come up and get it? But uh, I don't know how to throw it out at people. I, th I thought you guys were supposed to be Bitcoin maximalists, you know? And so, uh, and so this is like, it, it's, it's like kind of crazy that this stuff still works, you know? Um, but, you know, when we, and, and when we were starting PayPal, we knew nothing about money, about banking, about payments, about any of this stuff. It was sort of uh, all thought of from first principles. We probably got a lot very wrong. I'll, I'll mention the two slides. Uh, that describe what we thought we were doing. This is the PayPal February 1999 seed round pitch. We were going to replace, uh, we said the US Treasury, we actually meant the, the central bank, we didn't know the difference between the two. Um, but it was gonna be sort of a closed loop system, a new form of money, new network effect, um, electronic 21st century version um, of, uh, of money. By uh, 2002, at the time of the IPO, 
the PayPal business model looked like a funnel where the money went in and out fast. And I just, um, and you know, this was, it was just, a, it was a payment system. And I want to just start that those two pictures, a closed network versus a funnel are, are two very different pictures. You know, in some ways this was a more practical business, it was a, but it was a decline. It was much less ambitious. Money goes in and out super fast. And I think one of the ways to think about um, all of these different things this is not a perspective I had at the time, but if you think about these different forms that money can take, you can have forms of money that are high velocity, where it moves super fast, but then you don't actually need that much um, in, in the form that it has. It's just like maybe an accounting device or something like that. And if you have forms of money that are intrinsically low velocity, then um, the quantity you need is, is much, much greater. And it's this inverse relationship that got, goes across many different forms of money. And so the, uh, the PayPal 1999 was a closed loop where you'd, ha you'd have this enormous uh, store of value that gets built up. The PayPal 2002 was sort of a high velocity loop. You know, and this is, of course, also analogous to something like gold bullion is store of value, low velocity money. It moves once, you know, every few decades in a central bank vault. Visa, super high velocity, moves trillions of dollars a year. But Visa itself doesn't need to have very much money on, on its own. And I think one of the reasons people always get uh, these two different modalities confused, they're like radically different kinds of products, is that when we think of money, we are still always just thinking of the $100 bill that I presented you at the beginning. And physical cash is, it's, it's sort of the one very weird form of money that's actually sort of intermediate velocity and intermediate value. It's not really great at either. You know, you can, um, you can store money in a piggy bank, physical cash. You can you store it in a mattress. That's, that's getting pretty weird. You can maybe use it to buy, you know, pay for a restaurant or club, a, you know, a, uh, maybe a used car probably gets hard to use physical cash to buy for a house. So it's sort of both. It's not that great at either payments or store of value, but it's in between. And because we always think of uh, physical cash when we think of money, we tend to think store of value and, uh, and sort of high velocity things are the same, even though in practice, most things are at these two opposite end of, ends of the spectrum. And then, you know, I, I want to uh, obviously suggest that, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are at these two extreme opposite ends of the spectrum. Bitcoin, store of value, gold replacement. Ethereum, if it works, is going to be sort of the super high velocity, fast, fast moving thing. And, um, and the thing that's sort of, I would say, fundamentally honest about Bitcoin is that we are just at this one, you know, sort of low velocity, high value end of the spectrum. And then if you look at something like Ethereum, you are, um, um, you, 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 will, you will say that it's, high velocity, it's going to be sort of a frictionless payment system, but then it's also going to uh, have an incredible amounts of intrinsic value. And there's probably something about all those things that doesn't quite add up. Um, you know, so if we, if this is, by the way, this is, a, I, I, took, I took this slide from a, from a Vitalik, uh, from Vitalik himself. So, uh, so uh, this is, uh, uh, um, and there's sort of a question, how do we compare and contrast them? And, um, and so if we, if we look at the current market caps, 830 billion versus 386 billion of Ethereum, but if we, if we map Bitcoin onto gold and Ethereum onto Visa, um, well, Ethereum's worth roughly as much as Visa, so it's fairly valued. You know, if, if you have 
a seamless frictionless payment system, you know, it's worth $400 billion. As it works, the gas fees have to go down. It has to become completely frictionless to work. Um, and then, whereas gold is, um, is 12 trillion, and if, if Bitcoin is going to replace gold, the question is really, why is it so undervalued? What is it going to take for it to go up uh, to, uh, the 10x? And I'm going to close on that, close on that a little bit later. Um, um, we can, um, uh, yeah, so there's the sort of our, all these, um, all these different ways Bitcoin is going to, um, has every potential to replace gold. Question is, uh, why it has, why it has not done so yet. Um, now, I think there's, if we take a, a, one step further back, we can even ask a question, why is, you know, why is gold worth $12 trillion? How much, how much should all the gold in the world be worth? And, um, and if we look at, say, the 1970s, um, gold did remarkably well. Um, and, uh, you know, stocks were, were kind of a crappy investment. And, um, and it's sort of very different from today. So if you look at all the gold in the world today versus all the publicly traded equities in the world today, it's about 12 trillion of gold, 115 trillion of equities, roughly a 10 to 1 ratio. If you look at sort of the peak of, um, of, the, of, the, of the bull market in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, where gold peaked at about $850 an ounce in nominal dollars. At the time, all gold in the world was worth about $2.5 trillion. All the publicly traded equities were worth $2.5 trillion, and the ratio was actually one-to-one. -one. And so one of the questions you have to ask is, uh, yeah, why, why is the ratio 10-to-1? Um, why can't it be 1-to-1? One one? Maybe it should be 100-to-1. It can be all over the map. What, what defines these kinds of ratios? And I would say the, I would say sort of one, one simple version is, um, is that uh, in the 1970s, you know, cash was trash, bonds were trash, but equities were pretty bad investments as well because in an inflationary world, um, in a high regulation, high inflation, high tax world, um, the effective capital gains tax rate goes well north of 100% because you don't set the basis uh, on, on equities. You don't adjust it to inflation. And so uh, equities become an extraordinarily bad investment. In the world of the 2010s, you know, gold did pretty well. Bitcoin did extremely well. But the real competitor uh, for you know, Bitcoin is not Ethereum. That's a payment system. It's not, you know, it's not even gold. It's, it's something like the S&P 500 it's the stock market as a whole. And this is the way, you know, this is the way Bitcoin trades every day. You know, if the stocks go up, Bitcoin goes up. It's like a highly levered NASDAQ stock on a day-to-day -day basis. And that is sort of, in a sense, the real competitor. And the question is um, whether we're headed towards a kind of 1970s style world where it's higher inflation, more regulation, um, and um, and even being, you, know, you don't want to be in a stock or bond, but even being, sorry, you don't want to be in cash or bond, but even being in a stock, you're effectively um, in something that's like a government-linked entity. Companies, woke companies, are sort of quasi-controlled by the government in a way that Bitcoin never will be. And, uh, and in that sort of a world, um, I, I would submit that perhaps... The way we should think of the Bitcoin to equity ratio, you know, the, the benchmark for Bitcoin is not gold, but equities. And the question is, why can't there be parity between Bitcoin and equities? Why, why shouldn't we be talking about something more like 100 to 1? Which, of course, won't, won't, be, won't be as good as it sounds because um, the fiat money will be worth a lot less and it'll be taxed pretty heavily and, and whatnot. 
But I think, um, but I'm, I'm still hopeful that if uh, Bitcoin goes up by a factor of 100, you will, uh, you'll make um, some money, a modest amount of money in, uh, in real terms. Um, now, you know, there, there are sort of, um, at, at the very minimum, what I think, um, you know, it's always hard to know where Bitcoin goes from here. It's $43,000 today. Where does it, where does it go? Um, what, I, what I like to say is that uh, Bitcoin is always the most honest market in the world. It's the most efficient market. And it, it, was, it was the canary in the coal mine. It was telling us that the inflation was coming in the last uh, two years as it went from five, 6,000 uh, up by you know, a factor of 10x. It, it is telling us that the central banks are bankrupt. So, okay, so I have to say I'm actually quite sad because I bought Bitcoin a long time ago, $5 worth, which is probably worth a shit ton today, and I can't find it. So I'm a little bit upset because if you lose your keys, you never get that money back. And I have zero, I have like 0.06 Bitcoin. I have nothing. I really wish I had Bitcoin. I don't. Um, any Bitcoin that I had from people sending me has been spent on lawyers and other stuff, uh, because I didn't have a portfolio in Bitcoin at all. Um, I converted that to, um, I think I bought myself maybe like 10,000 crow tokens back in there, but that was like 0.000 something Bitcoin. But I, I really wish I was into it, but what he, I, I really do wish I had a Bitcoin portfolio, but what he is trying to explain is, is that Bitcoin fluctuates with businesses like the consumer markets. So it fluctuates with Starbucks, Walmart, Target, Apple, uh, you know, Samsung, you know, all the big consumer markets. And so um, what he's explaining is, is that Bitcoin since it fluctuates with the equities, like uh, everything a as inflation goes, um, it should be bigger and it should be more stable. The question is, though, you know, here's where the government's coming in. These woke companies are going to flip into a digital currency. We've already seen the Empire State roll out their own, which is to challenge that of Bitcoin and make it irredeemable. This is the crossroad that we're at. Even though people want Bitcoin to be the new digital gold, right? It's not really going to happen only because they won't let it happen unless they own it. And don't forget the DEA, the CIA, they always seize Bitcoin. Remember the hack? It was Bitcoin. So um, it's really important that um, we understand what he is saying. They want to create digital gold, right? And one Bitcoin right now is worth you know, like he said, I think he said 43,000. That's how much it was yesterday too, if I remember correctly. And it should be the same today. Um, it's stable and it's slow. Now he says Ethereum is like Visa. You know, in a sense, he says that because there's a lot of things that can spin off from it. But I think Ethereum challenges Bitcoin. Um, I also think that um, uh, Binance does and, you know, uh, all of these different cryptocurrencies on their own platforms challenge Bitcoin. I know Peter Thiel wants it to be the thing, right? But I think it's challenging it. Um, you know, Bitcoin at one point had almost gone to $70,000. I mean, that was insane. I remember I had gotten some Bitcoin. I mean, that was <laughs> I paid for a lot of a lot of uh, lawsuits because I know that there were a lot of people in other states that didn't have the money to file federal lawsuits and stuff. So um, 
since it was given to me, I give it as well. And um, uh, the Bitcoin was so high that I was able to afford to send people in different places, lawsuits, lawsuit money. Those, those were $400 a pop, okay? Um, Ethereum um, that he said was like Visa actually allows people to create their own coins and platform spinoffs. So it's kind of like a payment system, but it isn't. It allows different contracts to happen, whereas Bitcoin doesn't. Um, Bitcoin uses... Um, uh, what, are, what do they call it? It has a big carbon footprint. That's what they call it. Um, Ethereum has gas prices. They pay people to actually create the contracts and check them, right? Because there's so many of them. That's why it's expensive because there's so many of them and a lot of people don't know what to do. And uh, that's the problem is that a lot of people don't know what to do uh, with cryptocurrency because, you know, there's people that got it from day one and people that don't get it. They think of it as funny money, but it, your dollars are funny money too. Uh, this is funny money, but investing in technology, direct, not like Qualcomm because Qualcomm even has its own contract too, right? So you, you have to understand that these are um, all investments in technology. So we're at this fork right now where we have the world organizations getting together, trying to figure out how the fuck they're going to hack Bitcoin, Ethereum and whatnot. How, because if they cut off paper money, I'm telling you this right now, if they cut off paper money and they're like, oh, you can only have this coin and it's called the Pelosi coin because <laughs> she feels like it. Um, and that's it. And that's your money. Then all your cryptocurrency you know, has to be converted to Pelosi coin. But if Pelosi coin says, I don't acknowledge your Bitcoin or I don't acknowledge your Ethereum or I don't acknowledge your SHIB or Matic or whatever it is, you don't have any money. Okay. You have zero money. That's the problem. That right now, what Peter's saying, where they're all hedging to like, if the stock market's doing well, you know, like you said, the S&P 500, Bitcoin, those are the trends that you see, right? Even though they're really irrelevant, it's looking as a trend. I'm telling you, since we already know, and like you said, the banks are bankrupt. They have zero dollars. Your pensions are fucked. Your social security, fucked. And that's global, not just here. Global. So... <laughs> If they create a currency that is synthetic homogenous currency across the globe and say, we're going to call it superpower money, right? And then you're like, that's great. I want to convert my Bitcoin into superpower money. Sorry, we don't accept that. Um, it's like saying, yeah, we don't take American Express. <laughs> See ya. So then we're going to have like a battle on the commerce side where people that are going to be in the crypto system are going to be bitching. This is one scenario. Okay. Bitching and saying, well, I'm making donuts for my house. Pay me in Bitcoin. And this is, it's going to go back to barter until the battle of the currencies come. And I say this because they are trying to make cryptocurrencies that are programmable, meaning that they piggyback. So like, for example, I go to work and I get paid, you know, a hundred synthetic currencies, right? A hundred SHCs. Out of those SHCs, 20 of them are to be used for food. 20 of them are to be used for housing. 20 of them are to be used for uh, 
you know, utilities. And then the rest can be used at my leisure for luxuries. And if I'm a good citizen, I'll be allowed to have super luxuries or a savings account that may pay me 0.01 interest so that I can um, make it up, you know, save the money to buy what I want. Kind of like the way I'm buying, I'm I'm saving to buy a house. I want to buy a house. I don't want to get a mortgage. I mean, I'd like to get a mortgage, but I can't. It's like, you know, I'm I'm 44 and I've got, you know, just credit cards and nothing else. I don't have a car loan. I don't have, uh, you know, any, no one's going to give me a damn mortgage with no loans behind me except for credit cards. So anyway, what do I do? I want to get money. Well, I'm working, I'm getting a hundred and I'm saving like the 40 and I'm only getting 0.01%. So I get kept down while the elites get kept up and they've programmed my currency where my credits are very specific for food, very specific for housing. So I'm only allowed to have certain housing. This is the social credit system that they're trying to kick in right? And they want to hijack cryptocurrency to do that. And this is why in England, there was a big, you know, shift that was done when they were all, all the world economic forum was talking, right? Where they were like, well, we need to have a cryptocurrency programmable, right? So they can program it to be allowed in certain places. So when you go to the supermarket, oh yeah, sorry, you don't qualify for organic milk. You can only get the shitty one. It's like food stamps, right? They want to make your cryptocurrency food stamps. And then when you're going to want to bring your Bitcoin, your Ethereum, your SHIB or whatever else you have, they're not going to accept it. They're going to be like, sorry, we don't accept that here. This is, this is where we're going. And this is the problem right? The only way that we can fix something like this is to say, all right, we're going digital currency. We'll adopt the US dollar coin that's already there and it's stable dollar to dollar, right? And we'll back it by tangible commodities like gold, like silver, like niobium, like uh, uranium, like plutonium. Don't laugh. That's a real thing. You know, like uh, pork rinds, (laughs) they trade that. Uh, Like oil. Uh, We can have that. We can have the US dollar coin backed by something that's tangible. So then that way, your tangible asset can be the foundation for cryptocurrencies. Because I am very concerned about Bitcoin being the backbone for all cryptocurrencies out there as the gold standard. Because here's what the problem is. Just like we saw a couple weeks ago, this fat ass Bitcoin account woke up. And there's a lot of those out there. Like my $5 wallet whatever. If that woke up, that'd be worth a very big, pretty penny, right? Huge, pretty penny. So uh, this is why it's um, important that we speak up, right? That we, um, that we ensure that cryptocurrencies are tethered to a stable national currency. And that way, that's not programmable. That can't say, oh, you can use it or not use it. Digital currency is already here. You just still have the, oh, let the peasants have some dollars. Because they've already stopped making coins. Okay? They're already pushing you that way. And they're broke. So uh, what they want is to control it. And they want to pay you with digital currency. And they want to be able to program that digital currency. They can't program digital currency if it's backed on a commodity. And that's the thing. You have to 
make sure that right now when they're talking money, like in your state, if they've introduced cryptocurrency, you need to make sure you're there with your legislators and make sure that it's written in the law that they are not allowed to program that cryptocurrency. The minute it's programmable, they can kick you out from being able to trade any crypto stock that you may have in anything. And that's where the economy will have a huge issue. This is where it's going. They're trying to get it done, right? PayPal, Peter Thiel was like talking about Ethereum and how it's Visa, you know, how he and Elon tried to like just make it like, oh, yeah, we're going to cut out the, 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 the U.S. Treasury or the Federal Reserve, which they didn't know the difference of, because what they do is they hold the money and it's called the valeur, right? Um, for those of you that have had like cushy accounts or called sweep accounts where they take all your money, put it in the bank, and then they pay you like 0.0001% every day on your balance, right? That's basically what they do. They borrow your money because they don't have money. They're at the point right now where they're showing that they're broke. You can't go get cash from your bank more than a certain amount, depending on your bank and your city and your population, right? And what they have without phoning it in first. I remember, when was it that I wanted to go pull out money? Because I was, was I traveling or was I filing something? Shit, I'm trying to remember. And they wouldn't let me pull it out because it was like $1,000, right? They wouldn't let me pull it out because I had to phone it. Or they're like, next time you want this, you have to ask for it. And I'm like, how does a bank not have a thousand dollars to give out to all its customers? That, 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 that didn't make sense to me. So for those of you that are well invested in gold and silver, that's never going to go out of style. It's been there forever and a day. And those of you that are lucky to have it, I'm 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 envious in a nice way, right? It's like you know the girl that has a nice handbag, and you're like, bitch, I want that bag. It's like that. Um, because it is a good system, and that's where we need to fight it for. We need to peg. Our nation's digital currency on a commodity. And that's exactly what we have to do. We have to ensure that in our local states that are creating their own currencies, that we ensure that they peg the local currency to something and let the fucking crypto market figure it out. Okay. You know, Peter Thiel is not going to bully people and make it gold. Okay. People can do what they want. They make their own contract. Technology evolves. Bitcoin's like, you know, the OG for people trading and investing in it. But that doesn't make it versatile. Ethereum's versatile. Other technologies are versatile, right? So I'm just saying, like, um, make sure that when your states are starting to talk about cryptocurrency, that you're there at your legislature. You're like, I want a phrase that says we will never program. Like, if you can lobby in your state to get a constitutional amendment that says no digital currency of a state or nation shall be allowed to be exchanged within the borders of our state or jurisdiction if it is programmable. We need to make sure of that. That's how we need to do it. And <clears throat> while I'm telling you how great it is now, because this is like the early days of the uh, internet, you know, where people bought Yahoo for like five cents and then they sold it when it was like 5,000, you know, this is it. Okay. So what we need to do is make sure that since they're phasing out cash because they're broke and they want to reset the economy, hence the new world order and the great reset, they're broke. 
right? So they're just going to usher you into a new age. They want to throw you into the crypto type, the digital currency market without understanding it. This is why we're talking about this now, because when you come across it in the near future within your state, right? And when we come across it, um, when it comes to, you know, um, on a federal level, right? We need to be able to speak on it and understand it, okay? That this is not happening. We will not allow you to have a programmable national digital currency. If it's done like that and that it will have no exclusions in trade, like we don't want them to say, well, you know, we don't trade with Ethereum or we don't trade with Bitcoin or we don't trade. It's going to be an open, stable, national digital currency. We need to get that done. So for those of you today that felt lost, you know, look within your state groups, ask around if anyone has a crypto.com thing and, you know, and then they'll send you their link, their share link, because everybody makes $25. That could be your first $25 in Crow tokens, right? And um, you can start reading. They have education classes where they tell you about the technology. Um, this is what you need to be doing, just educating yourself. I mean, if you're, if you're able to jump in, that's fantastic. Like I said, I'm super envious of the people that jumped in on Bitcoin. Uh, like you, I thought that it wasn't, you know, something super important. And, um, you know, people are talking about non-fungible tokens, you know, NFTs, like the one that I sold for the Impeach 44. That will be forever on the blockchain. That will never go away. And it will be artwork that someone else, whoever bought it, will be able to sell it for 20 times that in one year. 10 years, 20 years, and so on. And it will live forever as long as uh, the um, blockchain is not eliminated. Right? No EMP, no explosions, you know, stuff like that. Um, so um, you can um, educate yourself. Pay attention to what your states are talking about because, you know, Florida just issued their currency. New York did. Other states are following through, right? Because they want to control that. Because if they issue their own currency and then they tell people, hey, you want to get paid in cryptocurrency, you know, our currency, whatever, then they can actually create the infrastructure to then dictate on a state level. Because what they want to do is harness, do you know how Ethereum has gas fees? Their taxes will be something like that. That when you get paid, because you're going to be issued, I don't know, like a New York token, New York will take off, you know, 10% of your taxes of income right away. And then before it comes to your wallet, the federal government will come in and shave it right off, right? And then you can apply for that money back or whatever. <laughs> it's the same fucking thing. Rather than having payroll, it'll be direct digital currency. It'll be open ledger, right? Can't lie to the ladies if you have money or not, unless you have some hidden wallets that aren't connected to your national currency, right? It's going to be open ledger. So people will know where the money's going. And, you know, obviously it's not going to have your name on it, but I can tell you one thing. The government's going to know your name and you're going to know the government's name. So you're going to see, you know, when, you know, Nancy Pelosi is sitting there putting her, she's not going to be around then, but, you know, putting her bills together, you're going to be like, hold on a second. You already allocated according to this. The blockchain says $2 trillion to this. Where's the receipts? Well, uh, you must have mistaken. Nope. You said this. Here's where it's sitting. Here's the wallet address. Here's the blockchain. Oh, look, follow through. 
you're not getting it. You will know where all your money is being spent, but they will also know how you spend it. Hence, they will be able to create social profiles. So the first thing that we have to do in 2023, which I said we're going to be doing, is ensuring that we have an internet bill of rights. We need an internet bill of rights and it needs to include the taking of our data. And this is why I circled back to what Patrick Burns said, which is getting on the blockchain through sovereign, which means the government, nobody can access you and your information and your wallet information because it will encrypt it and you are the only one with the keys to it. So if you go for a, to apply for a job, right? Let me see if Sovereign has a video actually. Hold on. Um, Sovereign. Okay, here it is. I found one. Let me show you what I mean. Because Patrick Byrne talked about this. I actually looked into seeing if I can actually buy some of this and I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm, I'm not that. I don't have the patience anyway. You got to like put it in my face. Like Crow Tokens, I wouldn't have done anything if someone didn't send me the app and I didn't sign up and, and just be like, yeah, okay, let me do this. Um, so here we go. Let me, let me play this for you. So you understand where tech is going. What's up, everyone? I'm Kyle. And welcome back to ICO Investor Channel. Today, we're going to talk about another high potential project called Sovereign. But before we start, please notice our disclaimer. Since I'm not a financial advisor, so this video is for informational and educational purposes only. So without further ado, let's start. The Sovereign Foundation is a nonprofit organization established to administer the governance framework governing the Sovereign Network, a public service utility enabling self-sovereign identity on the internet. The Sovereign Foundation is an independent organization that is responsible for ensuring the sovereign identity system is public and globally accessible. Behind the Sovereign Foundation is a code base precisely designed to enable true digital self-sovereign identity. In accordance with the decentralized nature of blockchain technology, this code base is open source and receives contribution from people all around the world. The Sovereign Foundation continues to be a major contributor to the Hyperledger Indie, Aries, and Ursa projects. Hyperledger Indie provides tools, libraries, and reusable components for creating digital identities that are based on blockchains or other distributed ledgers and are interoperable across administrative domains, applications, and any other silo. The Sovereign Network is a Hyperledger Indie deployment that is compatible with any Hyperledger Aries identity agent. Sovereign has three networks for self-sovereign identity. Each network is based on Hyperledger Indy and each is made up of 4 and 25 nodes which are operated by Sovereign Stewards. The Sovereign Foundation acts as a governance authority and operates the network as a whole, monitoring and improving performance in support of its identity for all missions. BuilderNet, Developer Test Network for testing pre-production Indie Network's code and building. StagingNet, pre-production network for prototyping and demonstrating and mainnet production network for scaling live this page allows you to view a dashboard for mainnet staging net or builder net by clicking the eye icon in the top right corner of your screen you can select the time period for which you want to view performance and get a more detailed explanation for each metric self-sovereign identification is a new paradigm for internet scale digital identity that goes beyond centralized identity providers. By building an infrastructure 
structure that allows anybody to issue, store, and validate digital credentials signed with cryptographic private keys. As effective as this is, it restricts direct use of SSI to persons with digital access and legal competence. Individuals and organizations may need to serve as digital guardians for SSI to function for everyone else. The Sovereign Foundation's guardianship program focuses on this. Compliance and Inclusive Finance The last decade has seen the explosive growth of innovation in financial services and digital value exchange, and this has done much to advance financial inclusion. These trends expand the risk and compliance management challenges of money transmission beyond traditional banks and place new demands on financial regulators to match the speed and scope of fintech. Digital identity is a fundamental requirement for enabling people to access financial services and a tool for regulators and financial service providers to manage risk and compliance, whilst protecting the integrity of a rapidly growing and evolving global financial services system. Stewards are trusted institutions who operate a node of the sovereign ledger. Stewards must meet the qualifications specified in sovereign steward business policies and be formally approved by the Sovereign Foundation Board of Trustees. Stewards must enter into both the Sovereign Steward Agreement and the Steward Data Processing with the Sovereign Foundation. Sovereign stewards are automatically qualified to be transaction endorsers. However, if they wish to assume that role, they must separately enter into the Transaction Endorser Agreement and the Transaction Endorser Data Processing Agreement with the Sovereign Foundation. The Sovereign Ledger is operated by stewards, trusted organizations within the ecosystem who have agreed to abide by the requirements in the Sovereign Trust Framework and are responsible for operating the nodes that maintain the sovereign distributed ledger. Here are some of the stewards in Sovereign. ABSA, Anonium Labs, ATB Financial, Actual, and many more. And right here is the Board of Trustees of Sovereign. Daniel Hardman, an ex-official trustee, Chair TGB. Daryl O'Donnell, an ex-official trustee, a chair for I4A Council. Dr. Andre Kudra and Jamie Sterling. Now these are the people in the Technical Governance Board, the Chairman, Daniel Hardman, and the members Avesta Hojati, Axel Nenker, and Jan Kamenish. The Sovereign Ledger is the home of an open-source, decentralized public identity network metasystem for creating, managing, and controlling self-sovereign digital identity. Sovereign in Twitter community has 9.7 thousand followers, as we can see on Sovereign's latest post. It is now available. Read the Sovereign Annual Report 2020. Sign up for Ledger, write access via our easy sign up, and keep up with our worldwide working group efforts in SSI development. The Sovereign Foundation announces the publication of our GDPR position paper together with a set of revisions to the Sovereign Governance Framework intended to enable compliance with GDPR and other data protection regulations worldwide. Legal Architecture The following figure is a visual illustration of the key roles and agreements in the Sovereign Foundation's legal framework for regulatory compliance with data protection laws. Although it uses terms from the GDPR, it is intended for compliance with data protection regulations generally. Transaction Authors A transaction author is any organization or individual who submits a transaction to be written to the Sovereign Ledger. As explained below, under the permission right access policies of the SGF currently in effect, only organizations may write transactions. However, under the planned public right access policies, individuals will also be able to write transactions. Transaction authors may write any data type supported by the Sovereign Ledger. 
Transaction Endorsers A transaction endorser is an organization that has been approved by the Sovereign Foundation to endorse transactions on behalf of transaction authors. The role of transaction endorser is specified by the current permission right access policies of the SGF. This role will not be needed when public right access policies go into effect. Transaction endorsers add their digital signature to a transaction so it will be accepted and written by the stewards. Transaction endorsers are responsible for any sovereign ledger fees for the transaction they endorse. They must enter into both the transaction endorser agreement and the transaction endorser data processing agreement with the sovereign foundation. As you can see here, there's a lot of events here in sovereign, and I will show you how to see the details. If I go into this date, you will see the time and details of this event. Permission right access policies are currently in effect for right access to the sovereign ledger. These policies require transaction authors to... Okay, a lot of you are confused. Here's what it is. Remember where we talked about transactions and open ledgers? Well, this one is about you. That's what it is. It's all about you. It is about your identity being sovereign. So the blockchain, like we said, that today's information is validated by yesterday's information, right? The information is you, right? It's simply you. And it's valid. So you go there and you're like, hey, my name is Jane, you know, Sally, J Jane Sally. And I was born on the 1st of January, 1970. And I went to school here. I went to school there. And you've self-declared it, right? Then there's an organization. That's your identity, period. So then Jane Sally, you go and apply for a job at McDonald's. And the job, for whatever reason, requires that you have a degree. And they want to see where you've worked. Well, you've self-reported to your own blockchain that you've worked at Burger King, that you worked at the airport, that you worked as a horse groomer, right? All this stuff. So then what happens is you go and apply for employment. They're like, great. We just need to verify your degree. So then <clears throat> they send a request to you to allow them to send a request. So, so they send a request and they're like, hey, Sally, uh, we need to check with the University of Alabama if you actually finish your bachelor's degree in food science. And then you accept, which then the company that's a board, like they said, that's in charge of all the education, you'll be like, all right, you can validate this for me. So then they're like, okay, thank you, Sally. And then they're like, hey, Sally, here's your token. You get your token and then you give it to your employer and you're like, see, here's the token. And now they have verified that that token is there and then it goes back to them. So it's kind of like a locked in way where nobody can use your um, information without your permission. And you get to build your identity um, and then people validate if that identity is correct. You could be like, yeah, I have no debt. And then you've got like a million credit cards in default, right? They're going to be able to check that because when you go to do the token and say, I don't have debt, they're going to come back with the token that says, well, Sally, that's not true. And then you're like, yeah, fuck it. Let's pretend this didn't happen. I revoke your request to find out what my debt is. So that's how they're going to be checking your credit. Okay. Um, and you will be in charge of that if, if. You make sure of that because even though sovereign sounds good, right? What he was saying at the end of it was we need to make sure that, um, uh, you know, these organizations abide by the rules. And then you have to think to yourself, holy crap, are they abiding by the rules? That's the thing. Now, before we go, I wanted to um, 
put out for you um, Strike CEO's speech um, at the Bitcoin conference, because this is quite interesting. And I know a lot of you are a little bit confused. Maybe you're going to have to revisit this, but you will soon because you're going to see the cryptocurrencies creeping up in your state and you're going to be like, holy shit, this is the social credit system. And the thing is, you either roll over and say, well, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to use cash. And they're going to be like, yeah, no cash for you. So we need to make sure that we stand our ground, that we get our eyebore in, right? And that we make sure that um, we have laws that disallow programmable tokens or credits, as they will call them. Here we go. First First and foremost, foremost, uh, Strikes officially partnered with Shopify. Yeah. So it's live. Go check it out. And as soon so, I mean, guys, I'm a kid, man. I love this shit. The world's going to regret giving me this much attention, man. And so I, I call, I, I dream, I look up to this brand, Warren Lotus. It's one of the best streetwear fashion brands in the world. Like all my favorite athletes and my favorite rappers, they all wear it. Super popular. And I call them. I'm like, yo, guys. There's a cheaper, faster, more innovative, more inclusive way to accept payments. I'm not pulling your chain, bro. I swear to God. You use Shopify, right? He goes, yeah, I use Shopify. I, I mean, and I know that you use the Wazaa rails from 1949, but let me plug you into this. Let me plug you into this. And so this is a demo. Watch this. Oh, how do I play the video, guys? <laughs> you guys are killing me. You guys are killing me. Oh, we got it. We're chilling. Chill. We're going to run over, but that's all right. Hold tight. I got some really crazy shit coming. Hold tight. Huh? All right. Boom. Okay. Yes. 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 Hey, I have a, I, the next video is very, very important. The next video is very, very important. Okay. That's fucking cool. It's really fucking cool that Cash App just checked out with Warren. Now, I want to walk you through this. Let's go through it. Let's break it down. It looked like a lot of magic. What just happened? The transaction... I'll publish this. You can play it back. It's $115.94. Okay. So Warren was the merchant and Cash App was on the consumer side. This is shit that has never been possible. First innovation since 1949. Okay. So boom, we initiate the payment. What happened? The Cash App user spent just over 250,000 sats. The Bitcoin hopped on to the superior payment network, the one that's better than the Boomer was uh, AmeriCard network. There's only two parties involved in this transaction. There were not three other intermediaries, only two. The Bitcoin moved at the speed of light, and then just before it got there, converted to dollars, and Warren got 150 bucks, $15.94, and he, he was mind blown. He was like, yo, it didn't work. I didn't get any Bitcoin. I'm like, no, dude, I know. He's like, how am I going to report this on my audit financials? We're a big company. We sell millions of dollars to close every single launch. That was insane. It just got there right away. Right? And I could have used Strike on this side if I wanted to. 
And so I don't like spending my Bitcoin. I could have spent the dollars and it could have auto converted. Even cooler, a user in Australia could have used the wallet of Satoshi and use Aussie dollars, right? And if Warren, the, the thing that's cool about Warren, whatever happens on the left, Warren gets $115. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what's going on, on the left. Warren used a superior payment network to receive the $115.94. He doesn't need to report BTC on his balance sheet. He doesn't have to deal with volatility. All of what the boomers say about this industry and this payment network is not true. If Warren wants to go buy Bitcoin with it, he can. It's about this. It's just about using this to replace the old. So Warren, actually, I got to plug this in. He decided to just drop some new clothes today. They sell out really, really fast. I got one of my best friends in the front row. I'm like, dude, now this is definitely running over. I want the black one. But at 5 p.m. Eastern, you can go buy Warren Lotus gear with your cash app with your node over tour. You could do anything you want. He's going to get dollars no matter what. That's real. You can go check it out. Okay. So we did the e-commerce stuff. That's good. Now, any online merchant that uses Shopify. Now, let me say something on this. If you notice, normally when we go online and we make a purchase, we use a Visa, MasterCard, Discover, American Express. What happens? there's a card and you put the number and you validate it. And then it goes to American Express where some computer now, where it used to be a person, validates it. And then they send the payment to the merchant later after they cash out at the end of the day, right? So to have that, they also charge you a fee. You pay for your card. You know, they charge the merchant transaction fees to accept the cards, right? Whereas this way, there is none. There's you and boom, it's in your bank, right? Apple pays the same thing. Google pays the same thing. It's a card and the card charges the merchant. So like, like for example, when, 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 uh, you know, I don't have much, but the few people that are on my, you know, subscribe star, right? They pay me, but then a portion is taken by subscribe star one to keep the platform open and two to pay the fee that they're charged because they use your card. I mean, obviously it's by far the best platform because they take the least, but even with PayPal, you guys know that, that if you were a merchant, that if you were getting money, they would shave off the price of the card. Whereas with digital currency like this, it goes straight from you straight to them. And there's no cutting out that one, two, 3%, nothing. It's you want a hundred, you get a hundred. Boom. Right. And so this young boy who's a cajillionaire because he coded it, um, you know, is making a ton of money because he created a pathway to eliminate it all and enter and get it. I would say to work with things like Cash App or Venmo, um, you know, all the platforms that I'm banned from uh, to be able to utilize it. So, you know, the card, the, 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 you know, when you have a credit card, you pay fees. Um, sometimes you have annual fees, but when a merchant has it, you know, for example, if you have like a regular PNC card, right. And you go and swipe it, they're going to pay 1.5%. So the merchant just sold you something for $10, but they're, <clears throat> but they're not going to get $10, right. 
they're going to get $10 minus 1.5%. Now, if you go there with your uh, American Express, uh, you know, airline miles bullshit, they send, they sell you $10, they're going to have to be out of pocket 3.5% because those are miles. It's a different platform. It's American Express. It's got bonuses and rewards. For people that are shop owners and have transactions, they understand it. Those of you that have used Square understand it. The merchants always get the the lower cut. So kind of like that guy that sells t-shirts and stuff, right? Um, he was like, well, I need $115.95 or whatever, right? And he's like, that's what you're getting. You won't be charged fees. It goes straight into your account. And what they're doing is they're using it with digital currency that is with no fees. Obviously, Bitcoin is Bitcoin to Bitcoin. And then they have these deals where they transfer it. Um, Zelle is a great thing, right? Uh, Zelle is like amazing. Uh, this is when Hera's like, Hey mom, I got to pay my car insurance. <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> you should you're the one with the stable work, but Zelle is quick, right? Zelle is super quick, but Zelle also gets money off of the transaction from your bank. You don't see it, but your bank to make it more attractive and to, you know, put it through there and, you know, they will eat that cost for you. So again, you know, it is about having these digital transactions. Obviously, if you go in person and you go buy a pack of cigarettes, buy your milk and stuff, you're there. You just hand over the money and it's over, right? And there's no middleman and it's cash, right? But we don't have any more cash, right? They stopped printing money, right? That's 2028, right? They say no more money. We're going to stop printing money. Everyone needs to get onto the digital currency. This is going to be the digital currency. So in 2028, they're going to start phasing it out, kind of like they did with the other currencies in Europe when they were converting over to the euro. They give you a 24-month period to figure out how you're going to do this. And so I'm telling you now because all the legislation is going to happen starting 2023. And that's how how it's going to work. This is how it's going to work. So the only way that we can steer away, because, you know, it's climate change. We can't be printing money, climate and all, right? We're not going to make coins, climate and all. The only way the people come out on top is to make sure that the digital currency that is issued for the nation is pegged to an actual commodity. Because if it's not, it's programmable. So those two things, one, pegged to a commodity, two, that way it doesn't go with inflation, right? So it's pegged. And two, we need to make sure that it's not programmable. Because once you give programmable ones, like food stamps, that's programmable. <laughs> You're going to have credits after that. And that's exactly what they're hoping. They're hoping to just usher you into it, right? And throw you face first. So that way they can do what they want. On the other hand, we have the Bitcoin community saying, well, yeah, we should just all move to digital and Bitcoin will be the new gold. Buy it, government. Buy it. Let's do this. Government's not going to buy it unless they own it. 
No government on the planet is going to allow Elon and, you know, this guy and freaking Peter Thiel and some closet big wallets that are sitting in the corner somewhere to have more power than them. That's not happening. Because that could collapse a whole nation. So what we need to do is peg whatever digital coin they want to call for the U.S. I'm not going to speak it. Hmm. It's got to be pegged to commodities. It's got to be pegged to commodities. The only way. Because that will be a big issue. It has to be pegged to commodities. And you have to have the availability of putting it on a cold wallet too. Like that it doesn't have to stay somewhere. Like for me, for example, right? I'm not concerned about my investment in crypto.com. You know, the 45,000, whatever, 54. Now it's 54 now. I keep, I'm stuck on that 40,000, right? I'm not worried about it because it's in there. So even if I lose my phone, I can actually log into it. They have my ID. They have my picture ID. They have everything. It's all solid, right? But if I was to have it in a wallet and I've had this happen, right? And I lose the keys to that, I'm done. If I have a phone and I've got like a MetaMask wallet and I don't remember the MetaMask keys to it, it's game over. I lost all that money. It just stays there forever and nowhere. Cold wallets, just so you know, are wallets that are offline. Is wallets that you can add your cryptocurrency to and then not have it connected to the internet. It's just stored there, period. And you just keep it somewhere. Um, that it's not connected to the internet, not on a phone, not accessible, right? It's like off. It's like offline. That's the way my Bitcoin was too. The <laughs> so I don't even want to get into it. I'm so pissed. But anyway, um, so right now, the only thing we need to be focusing on is mitigating. We are getting into that, but we want to go into that because it's inevitable because technology has advanced. We're not going back to the days where we would hoe the grounds. Um, you know, our population is, as in, is a matter of fact, obviously that we're not shortage on landmass. Okay. Let's get that straight. But continuing on to this, um, we will be using technology more. We have been using technology more. We're communicating right now because of technology, something that we wouldn't be able to do even 10 years ago like this or 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you'd be like, yeah, shut up. Right. 40 years ago, hey, you're going to be having coffee with your friend in freaking Guam over video. And you're like, yeah, right, whatever. And pigs fly. See, we are getting into that era. But what we have to do is ensure that we understand what we're getting into. That's how they win, by not letting people understand what they're getting into. And they just throw them in it. And they're like, oh, it's amazing. Kind of like the Affordable Care Act. Just sign it and then read it, right? Just get yourself a wallet and then you'll figure it out. Next thing you know, you know, you can only rent from certain places. Uh, you can only buy foods from certain supermarkets because your credits are different than somebody else's, right? And, you know, you want to save up to buy yourself that really nice, you know, bodega bag and you can't because you're not allowed to save it. And if you don't use your luxury money, uh, maybe it'll get rolled over if you're a good boy and girl. Other than that, we'll just burn it and on your next salary, you'll have it. See, that's the way it is. So uh, you, you need to be active within your state to ensure that there are laws and regulations that clearly spell it out. 
no programmable digital currency, period. And that companies will not have the ability to refuse digital currencies. We have to make sure we're on top of our legislators. We can't just sit there with our hands crossed thinking, what are we going to do, right? So anyway, let's watch the rest of this young guy who's like crypto rich. I like to pretend I'm crypto rich just because I get invited to these conferences because of my my stat. Can accept accept payments payments without the 1949 Boomer Network, receive it instantly, cash final, no intermediary, no 3% fee, no, hey, I'm just going to hold on to that shit. But what about this? 80% of payments are still done in person. No matter how innovative Cash App is, no matter how awesome Venmo is, no matter how cool Robinhood is, they all integrate the Lightning Network. It doesn't matter. Because when I walk into a grocery store, they don't understand it. They only understand the Diners Club Caviar Party. So that's why Strikes also partnered with Blackhawk. Blackhawk is one of the largest payment providers in the world for alternative payments. They have 400,000 storefronts and 37,000 partners. They're the ones that are behind shit like this. Have you ever checked yourself out at a CVS? You ever used one of these? And then my haymaker, we've also partnered with the largest point-of-sale provider in the entire planet, NCR. Yeah. Because we just got to give merchants the new superior alternative payment network. And so this year... Have you guys ever shopped at any of these? Any of these? Yeah. McDonald's, Walmart, Macy's. Best Buy. I mean, no, no. This is not in another country. This is not a test pilot somewhere. No, this is in the United States of America. You're going to be able to walk in to a grocery store, to Whole Foods, to Chipotle. You want to use a lightning note over tour? You do that. You want to use the cash app? You do that. Let's walk through that. Those point of sale systems haven't had a new superior payment network in 55 years. 55 years they haven't had a better way of getting dollars and merchants been abused by inflated pricing from the elite for 55 years. That grocery store just got my dollars or my Bitcoin or my note over tour. It doesn't matter. Instantly for free, a superior, inclusive, innovative payment network. So as you see, what he's saying is true, right? That, that, that the way, listen to what he said, because remember Pelosi owns, she's one of the biggest holders of Visa, right? next to institutions, right? She's the only private person that has almost as much as institutions. So he's telling you the truth. We don't, we need to understand that there were a lot of people for over 50 years making money on your money, going to that person that worked so hard to make that product for you. 
Okay. Then this is direct. He's young. He's, uh, you know, abrasive and, you know, he's calling everyone a boomer, but we are in AI technology. Everything you're doing has to do with AI. Pelosi owns Stripe. That's going bye-bye if Stripe doesn't embrace digital currency. See, that's the thing. We are not going to be using banks anymore like we do where we go and get money, right? It'll be more like crypto.com, hence why I introduced you to that because there is some, some security in that. You give your ID, they hold it for you. It's not a hot, it's not like... um. Coinbase does it too, but you know, Coinbase, whatever, but this is, this is happening whether you like it or not. And what we, as the people globally should be doing is paying attention to the money and how they're going to change it because that is where we need to be. What he's saying is a hundred percent true. There is a shit ton of elites making a shit ton of money off of hardworking people that make a nice statue, a nice bowl, a nice meal for you to eat. We're not talking about the big block companies, right? We're talking about the mom and pop stores, you working, you know, you're a landscaper rather than you having to get a point of transaction system and pay someone some percentage or get square, which is supposed to be cheaper, right? You just ding, ding coins and it's over. You need to understand that your currency is going to change. But what we need to be doing is embracing that change and making sure it changes the way we want it. That's the way it is done. That's the way it is. No if, ands, or buts. That is the way it is. And so uh, from now until it happens, that's what you have to do. You have to ensure that um, uh, your eyes and ears are open when they're talking money and that you get into um, cryptocurrency slowly. Learn it understand it because it's new. Don't let them throw you in the deep end where you don't know what you're doing. So um, that's what I wanted to show to you guys today. Ease you into it. I'm not an expert. I don't give financial advice. I showed you my portfolio. That's my housing payment. Keep in mind the way the IRS works now is, you know, you pay once you cash out because it's not acknowledged as a currency yet. So right now, um, for those of you that have gold, silver, and tangible assets, I'm envious. But for those of you that do not and wish to have, at some point, getting in early, you should start familiarizing yourself. So that way, you don't get caught with your pants down, right? You don't want to get caught with your pants down. This is why the Internet Bill of Rights that I wrote about, I think, 2017 or 2018, I don't remember. I wrote out some, you know, internet bill of rights bootleg thing because it's important because that's what we're going to have to have done. And we have to get that done. We also have to make sure that in legislation, it clearly states that no digital currency that is going to be considered our nation's currency be allowed to be programmable. This is very important. Because this is how all the data that they will be using will be flipped on you. And, I, and I'll tell you, they're going to try it. 
about 2050, they're going to try to program currency because they've got to finish 2060 in Africa, right? And they need to control all of those people there. That's a big continent. And they're going to try to sneak legislation in. This is where we need to ensure that what happens going forward after our special elections and every election after that, that we ensure that the people that are in there are reflective of the government, are reflective of what the people want, and that our government is represented by the people and not the other way around and not interests. So for that, I just wanted to say, uh, uh, you know, make sure um, you educate yourself. Don't do things. Don't follow videos and just jump in. I had a really good teacher that I met through Telegram. She's been incredible for me because I don't have the time to study these things. And she tells me I love her. She's my angel. Um, you know, it's too bad uh, <laughs> that that not everybody has, you know, an angel like me. But um the only thing that I did have was um, uh, someone that sent me that crypto.com link. And as you see over from 2018 till now, that has grown exponentially and it keeps growing. So I would, I personally, not giving you financial advice, would highly suggest to have it in something like that. Coinbase does it too. I, I just don't use them only because I know um, uh, the contractual agreements that they had with um certain nations. So, and I know a lot of people know that too. And that's like, do you know, or do you not know? And it's like, since I kind of know, and it smells like it smells, quacks, walks, kind of sounds like I'm gonna say it is. So on that note, watch what happens at the uh, 2022 Bitcoin conferences. Their videos are all over YouTube. Um, I will be using my YouTube more, uh, but there I'll be doing short special reports. How's that? Um, because I'm going to need YouTube for when I go to court. We got to stream it somewhere so the whole world can watch. Um, apparently, I'm allowed to stream on YouTube now and I'm allowed to be monetized now. So um, I'm going to wait until I get about... Um, until I get at least a hundred thousand. So that way I can be verified and um, then start using it. It was pretty interesting that they came at me and they're like, Hey, Oh, and by the way, I misspoke like cash app. I do have, but I put it under my business name because my personal one was actually set up by my ex. So um, it's kind of a good thing that um, it's gone. So <laughs> thank goodness. So, for those of you that are concerned about the way it's going, um, it's going. You can't stop change. Change is constant. We change every day. But you can change the way it's going to look by controlling the way it's going to look. You know, it's kind of like, you know, you're going to change at some point. You're going to cut your hair, right? You're going to shave your legs. You may get a tan and your makeup. It's change. And you embrace the change or whatever. Well, we have to find something more inevitable like growing hair. If your hair is too long, you're going to cut it. That's change, but you can control how you cut your hair, right? You're not going to go out there and get a mullet now, are you? Right? I don't know. Mullets are coming back in style, so <laughs> leave it at that. So I say... Focus on getting yourself familiarized. I never said no crypto. I said we don't want programmable crypto. Um, I don't like crypto. It's scary, right? Um, it will hurt you, right? But I can say that the the Bitcoin here and there that people send me have funded a lot of these lawsuits, um, actually all of them. 
But we have to make sure that when it's forced upon us and there is no way that we aren't going to have a digital currency, that at least we have the right laws in place to protect us from entering the social credit system. Uh, China did it in a different way. They stuck to like the cash app way with the WeChat where you use WeChat for everything to pay your rent, pay your bills, get a loan. You get a loan automatically on your phone, like instantly, right? You can apply for a loan on your phone in there. But here, because it's not like that, and because we're a little bit more free, <laughs> right? We're not super commies. We're kind of commie, quasi commie, right? Um, we will be able to control our identity and control the information if we indeed ensure that we have the laws in place to protect us. So on that note, guys, have a fantastic evening. Tomorrow, we're going to talk politics. The revolution won't be televised, government been telling lies If you're not with us, you better step aside Witnessing the genocide, everything is centralized The food that we consume and spraying it all with pesticides Easily identify the sheep and the snake, the real and the Fake, giving us a reason to pray. I'ma make my own choices. A voice for the voices. They trying to destroy us, avoiding the poison. It's all pointless if you don't have a purpose. If you read the verses, you'll know who we verse it. Government can't tell you what your worth is. Look deeper than the surface. They don't even want you researching or asking questions. We all being tested. Shh. Shut your mouth, they comply. That's the message. Want you to rest on prescriptions that mess with your head. Got you stressing, suppressing expression. We will not comply. With the institutions, sick illusion, no, it won't be terrifying.